This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, the best comic book podcast for regular comic book fans. I'm your host, Mike Rappin, and joining me this week, two friends who came to see me for my birthday, Brian Murray. Happy birthday, Mike. And Kate Lamphier. Happy birthday. They're here in my freaking house here in New Jersey. Um, I can't believe it. Mostly the fact that they drove an entire day to cross the country from Michigan to New Jersey um, to come see me and to hang out and do touristy New York things, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about comic books. One thing I'll say before we get into started into this week's show, next week we're going to be live on Twitch. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Podcast. We're going to be live on video. We're going to be talking about a commissioned episode. We're going to be talking about Booster Gold from the New 52 as commissioned by our good pal Keith over on our Patreon. So if you also want to commission an episode, you can join us at the $10 tier, get access to that, and we will make an episode of your choice. You pick the host, you pick the topic within reason, and we will make it happen. Um, But yeah, we're going to be doing that next week. It's going to be super exciting. Um, so we're recording today on a Saturday. Next, we're going to be recording on a Sunday at night. Make sure you're there. Come harass us in the chat. That's probably the best part about doing those live episodes. But I'm here now with my two legally mandated questions that I have to ask every single week. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with Kate. I've been great. I'm glad to be here in your house, which is full of comics, and I love it. Um, I read The Witch of Thistle Castle. This was put out by Titan Comics. We got an early review copy. Thank you, Titan Comics. I love it. Um, This is by John Terrachine, and the release date is Halloween, October 31st, which I love that it's on a Wednesday, so we get new spooky comics. Mm -hmm. Um, And this book is about... um, a master and an apprentice in this world riches are witches are rare and hated by society and magic is achieved by making deals with spirits which which can be dangerous and i think that that's like a really cool magic system because it adds like this element of chaos that is like functional like you you meet the spirit and you see their deal um and i'm really into that um, one of the few witches in Scotland is tasked by the church to train a teenage boy who holds great power. Um, I, there are just some little things in this book that I really like, which is um, one of them is a quote, which is uh, seeing a witch is rarer than seeing a man in a skirt unless you realize there are kilts all around because this is set in Scotland. And I just loved that. It was like, it depends on your perception of things. <laughs> So wait, is the implication that witches are everywhere and you better watch the fuck out? That's what I'm wondering. Okay. But this okay. is only volume one. Okay. So, um, and another detail that I really enjoyed is that the first meal the witch takes her apprentice out for is Eggs Benedict, which in my opinion is the best breakfast um, des- designed by man. So Fine, opinion, sure. opinions can be wrong. So. <laughs> Um, and I really like this apprentice kid so far. He's He's got this rare power, which means that he um, has like this title amongst witches. And his title is the blood of righteous anger. Except that this teenage kid is like the sweetest little sad boy. Like he's very shy <laughs> and apologetic and he just wants people to like him. <laughs> There's nothing... And- and you connect with this character somehow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not angry at all. And his title is Of Righteous Anger. And um, Anyway, this reminds me a lot of the first few volumes of Ancient Magus Bride, which I really liked the first few volumes of. And then it got I went kind of uh, in a direction I didn't really like, but I'm still reading it. Anyway, um, so these two titles have uh, the master and apprentice set up in common where the apprentice has like this great power that they have no clue about. Um, and, uh, this one, the Witch of Thistle Castle, it's got a couple of things 
that like I don't really love about it. Like it's got that problem when that some manga has where some of the bubbles don't have those little arrows, so you don't know who's talking. Um, and then there's there's like one panel that's like very male gazey, and I'm like, why was this? Why is this in there? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, but it's manga. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's it, it is manga, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to volume two of this. I mean, this is kind of pretty much right up my alley. So. So when you say they have to like make deals with spirits for power, is this like a like do they negotiate for yeah. the power? Okay, so it's not like a Pokemon thing where you just gotta like <laughs> make them do your bidding, right? Like there's only it only happens once or twice in this first volume, but it's like um, it, the 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 master is talking to a spirit that she actually like knows and has interacted with before, and she's like, "I just need you to fix this," and my my. Um, deal is going to be that I'm going to give you this this thing that I know that you like and and the spirit's like okay great um, but it, it does set up the potential for this apprentice to make a bad dangerous deal with a spirit because like I can make you friends and you just have to give me all of your power and this sad boy might do it <laughs> I mean I feel like as a sad teenager I probably would have done that too so <laughs> yeah like, exactly I can't blame them Kind of reminds me of the the Dresden Files. Whenever Harry needs to get information, he just brings up a fairy and is like, "I will give you two large pizzas if you tail this guy." <laughs> yes, <laughs> very similar so yeah. far. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, I'm cl- I'm glad you got to check that out. Like, I feel like Titan recently just started like throwing a ton of different stuff at us, more than just their Conan Bar- Conan the Barbarian and Bloodborne comics. Um, and they they recently just started pushing really hard on their manga because. I think we all know like manga sells so yeah. of course you want to be able to license some shit to be able to sell to people um but yeah they've been giving us a bunch of those comps and like i feel like every week they're stacking up four five six other new series or volumes and stuff so my guess is that they're going to be pushing a lot of this and hopefully we'll be able to see all of it which is exciting yeah i liked the bloodborne comics until the guy came and beat my ass um couldn't get past the end of the first issue that boss is just killer <laughs> <laughs> okay brian I'm going to head out. I'm just uh, going to skip that bad joke, and we're going to ask gonna ask you how have you been, how have comic books been. Uh, I thought you actually had the Bloodborne comic in the notes here. I was like, oh, shit, he's going to talk about this. No, what did you read? <laughs> uh, no, I, I read Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, Volume 1. This is written by Danny Lore with art by Karen S. Darbo, colors by Ian Herring and Chris Peter, letters by VCs Corey Petit, Joe Sabino, and Travis Lanham. This is the story of Blade's daughter, Brielle. Uh, this is how I found out that Blade has a daughter. Probably mm-hmm. an experience a lot of us are having <laughs> in this moment. Yeah. Um, she is living in Atlanta with her mom, and she has recently kind of come into her half-vampire or quarter-vampire in her case, her Dampier powers. Um, <laughs> so she does what any you know, rambunctious teenager would do, goes out and immediately tries to fight vampires with them. Right, right. Uh, lucky for her, uh, when she gets in over her head, uh, she happens to have the best vampire hunter in the business as her daddy. And he flies into town to give her a quick training. And yeah, we have, um, you know, it's it's very much like supernatural slash horror action and just like little bits of high school drama. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it reminds me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in like in the best possible way. Sure, sure. I was thinking this sounds right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that you've spoken, I'm like, yeah, this this has Brian's name written all over it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to 
try and keep following this. Um, I mean, it, you know, I didn't like knock my socks off or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it was definitely good enough that I'm going to keep checking it out. Yeah. Uh, I really like that because her mom knows that blade is her father. She has her own like vampire hunting background. And so when she finds out there's, there's no, like I have to keep this secret from my family oh, and sure. get into trouble because they think I'm no, it's just like, Wait, mom, you know about vampires? You know about vampires? Okay. Well, if you're going to fight vampires, be safe. <laughs> you know, your dad is going to come give the talk, give you the talk. Right, right. <laughs> you know, proper stake usage, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I'm I'm trying to draw some parallel in my mind to a joke about like condom use, but I can't I can't find it. Maybe we'll figure it out in the break. Just don't let some boy get his fangs in you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Brian's got it. Thank you. Um, well, let me talk about a book that I read. Um, today is my birthday, the day that we're recording, um, which is very exciting. So those of you listening in live, thank you for showing up to my birthday party that we're doing via microphone in a parasocial way. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, I've been, another week has gone by where I have been completely absorbed by Baldur's Gate. So I have not read nearly as many comics as I was hoping to. Like Tuesday, I was like, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to leave work, I'm going to sit down and have dinner, and then I'm going to read some comics, and then like my hand just like was magically drawn to my mouse and keyboard, and suddenly I was playing Baldur's Gate until midnight, right? Um, so I only read a handful of books this week, one of them being Uncanny Spider-Man number one. I know I'm a little bit behind in this, but this is the book by Cy Spurrier, Lee Garbett, Matt Milla, and Joe Carmagna on letters. Um, it's a Nightcrawler book, but it's a Spider-Man book, and the reason why it's both is because not, not because... Kurt Wagner has become a Spider-Man, but because the whole event that happened at the Hellfire Gala where Orcus is now trying to kill all mutants because of reasons, and if you want to know more, um, send me an email. I'll, I'll send you paragraphs. But uh, long story short, as per usual, Kurt Wagner is on the run from somebody, and um, he's decided that in order to disguise himself, he's going to dress up as Spider-Man because his good pal Peter Parker lent him a suit, and so now he is the uncanny Spider-Man, um, basically patrolling Central Park for for you know pickpockets and other burglaries and stuff, and um, at the same time dealing with this this strangeness of the mutant spark, which has been like a, a through line for all of Cy Spurrier's books for the past couple of years, like throughout the Krakoan era of X-Men. Um, it's kind of a weird book, but like it's it's an interesting book because Kurt Wagner is an interesting character. Like the way that Cy Spurrier writes him is with that type of like jovial circus characteristic that I think a lot of people love out of Kurt. And I think some writers got away from that for a long time where he became really serious, especially after he died to save hope back in the day. Again, this is just begging for me to do an X-Men blind box episode where I just talk about whatever happened to the old Kurt Wagner. Um, But anyways, this book is fun. Uh, I think it's going to be short. I'm, I think like all of these fall of X books, it's like five issues. Um, But I, I'm really trying to see through or see the forest for the trees with this whole mutant spark thing that um, <clears throat> that Spurrier has been trying to do where there is this idea of like a religion that innately lives within all mutants that Kurt is trying to focus on about like how there is more to life than just like trying to reproduce and following these really simple mandates that the that Professor X laid out when they first laid out Krakoa. Um, and I don't know. At the end of the day, it's it's I'm torn because I want to follow all of this stuff, but at the same time, it's not interesting enough that I can't vet, say that I want to buy the comics every month. And instead, I'm like, could I just wait three months, catch up on Marvel Unlimited? Right. Um, like I feel like the guy 
during in from like 2012 it was like the rent is too damn high and i'm like mm. the single issues are too damn high <laughs> i might as well just you know fall back on this thing and maybe that's marvel's whole point um, i'm not going to put the tinfoil hat on to discuss that any further but anyways uncanny spider-man it's a fun book but like most of this fall of x stuff it's kind of just blah um, and I don't really feel excited about it the same way I did of all of the Krakoan era stuff. So um, I can't believe you, Marvel. I blame Kieran Gillen forever for this. Not really. But um, I can't believe that Marvel has decided to steer this direction. And it makes me sad every day I pick up an X-Men book. So I just have one yeah. important question. Yeah. What does he do with the tail? It's just there. It's, it's just, just sticking out? Oh, it's just sticking out. How is he in disguise? Uh, oh, okay. Brian, how do people not realize Clark Kent is Superman? I mean, like, it's the same shtick. He uses a German accent. Like, it's clearly a German guy. And to the point where the burglars were like, you're not Spider-Man. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's very much like the Joker recognizing Dick Grayson when he was dressed up as Batman. He's like, that, you're not the same guy. What the hell are you doing? Um, but he's like, no, no, don't worry. I am the Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, that's, you know, at least that's how I hear it in my Does head. Does he at least have, like, web shooters? Oh, no, he's just bamfing around. And he still only has the three fingers? Yeah, yeah, he's still, he's every, he is, in, for all. <laughs> so he's putting, he's putting no effort into this, oh, yeah. is well, what you're no, saying. No, no, Brian, he, he has a Spider-Man suit on. It's a suit. It looks like a Spider-Man suit. I mean, anyone can be <laughs> under the mask. Yeah. <laughs> but Didn't we all watch Into the Spider-Verse? Come on, Brian. <laughs> But I mean, if you're if you're trying to be in disguise, looking and acting and sounding like yourself is not a great way to go right. about it. Right. I mean, um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just leave that there, and uh, we could talk about it later. But uh, let's let's move on to some other books that you guys have read. Um, let's bounce it back over to UK. What else have you been reading? Yeah. So I picked up uh, volume two. <coughs> Of Star Wars Leia, Princess of Alderaan. This is by Claudia Gray and Haruichi, um, put out by Yen Press. And in volume one, go back a couple months from when I talked about that on the show, um, Leia joined a young ambassadors group as part of her duties um, mm -hmm. like as princess. And then she, she ends up going on these humanitarian missions to other planets and moons and just trying to like help the locals, basically. And in this volume, she meets the Queen of Naboo, and they try to help miners on Naboo's moon, where their their working conditions are just like awful. They can't hardly breathe in the mines, etc. Somebody keeps like stealing their stuff, um, and she also uh, is just starting to figure out that her parents are part of the early stages of what we know as the rebellion. And of course, it's Leia. She wants to be involved, and her of course her parents are like, "Whoa, this is not safe for you." And also, they know who Leia is to the Empire, um, and Leia does not know that. Um, so the creators do a great job of making Leia like this complete, well-rounded character in this really short number of pages because this is a very short manga, really. Mm -hmm. um, so in addition to to her work to help the local miners, she also has these like big concerns about the Empire, and I just really liked the balance of her nervous about both like local like issues that she's involved with and she knows the people and then also like these huge problems of like the system is rigged and mm -hmm. everything is bad um and Leia's also developing like a crush and thinking about like which dresses her fashion droid would like to see her in and like bringing clothes home and being like hey look at this this dress that the queen of naboo lent me and <laughs> it's very cute sure I, I might be misremembering my Star Wars, but isn't the Queen of Naboo at this point her aunt? That did not come up, if that's the case. Uh, they might not know. Okay. But 
I, I, if Kara was here, she would know. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Like her aunt in terms of like Padme's sister. Padme's sister. Ooh. Right, right, right. Okay. Oh, okay. I would love that if that were the case because they got along swimmingly. <laughs> okay. I, that would be fun. That would actually be really adorable. Yeah. Wait, hold on. You're saying that <laughs> that Darth Vader had an aunt out there? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. This is. I feel like I need a family tree now. Like. That's fine. Well, maybe another time. Yeah. Maybe well, another no, time. She, she would have been Darth Vader's sister-in-law. Or sister-in-law. That's what I meant. Yes. Okay. I just I just wanted to add real quick um, for this uh, this book, Star Wars Leia, Princess Valderon, the manga. Uh, my favorite thing about it is that this series in this series, Leia is meeting all of these like other young women who are going to end up being like powerful forces in the rebellion in twenty oh. years or whatever. And we are we are familiar with them from the movies. Mm-hmm. So like in volume one, she met Haldo, and then in this volume, she meets um, I mean the Queen of Naboo, which we are not familiar with from the movies, but still like a queen and they love each other so it's right wonderful highly recommend okay i did not know that this is even a thing yet yen press has the license to publish star wars comics or star wars manga so. i was looking through their like all their copyright information stuff like the nerd that i am going <laughs> yeah. where is the where is the tag that says licensed from disney or something or marvel and there was nothing like this has got to be. I really hope that these are canon stories, and that Yen's not going to mm-hmm. get like sued for it or something because these are really good. I mean, it'd be great if Yen was publishing like Dojinshi, like just like people doing full blown fan fiction manga out there. <laughs> um, that'd be awesome. Danny is saying, Kate, if you liked that book, you should read the House of L series by Claudia Gray. So I, I think know. that that was mentioned on the show last week, and I was like, oh hey, Claudia Gray. So yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, what about you? What else you've been reading? Uh, I got onto this hip new book. You might have heard about it. Uh, it's called Earth Divers. Mm, just in time for Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. Like, no, obviously I'm joking because this has been talked about frequently on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it is the the full like collected first volume is now out on Hoopla. So I was able to pick that up and read it. Nice. Uh, this is written by Stephen Graham Jones with art by David Gianfelice. Maybe. Sorry. I think that I said it much worse than that when I first pronounced it, so good uh, on you. Colors by Joanna LaFuente and letters by Steve Wands. Uh, funny enough, this is not the first like weird time cave media that I have consumed. <laughs> right, I forgot there's a time cave. <laughs> yeah. The time cave is central to the story. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just for, I know that there's time travel, but I forgot that it's a cave. That, that does it. <laughs> the cave you have to walk butt naked into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a movie called Time Trap that okay. I've seen. That's okay. a, another cave that's like unmoored from time. Nothing like this at all, but it is actually kind of like a, a, f- <laughs> right. a fun, cheesy sci-fi movie. No one's going back in time to kill historical figures or anything like that? No, I wish. Uh, I'm, all, I'm always interested in these time travel books because there, there, are, there are a few like different schools of thought on time travel, mm-hmm. namely like... When you time travel, do you split off a parallel universe or are you affecting a main timeline? And if you can change the present by changing the past, how does that happen? Are people aware that something has changed Mm -hmm. or does everybody just always think that it was that way? Right. This book appears to be doing it like uh, there's sort of like a bubble around the cave where you still remember the way things were before the person who went back changed things. Mm Mm-hmm. But when they go out and retrieve a textbook, 
they're able to like read what uh his name is tad right yeah read what tad had been doing in the past mm-hmm. um which was carving a bloody path through the Nina the pinta and the santa maria yeah it, it does make me wonder though like when they kill columbus like it, it it's definitely implied in the book that that does not fix anything right right um but it's like if, if he had managed to kill Columbus, you know, weeks earlier when they mm-hmm. were still crossing the Atlantic, would that have made a difference? Right. Or would there just be a different European jackass right. who came along and ruined the whole place? Right. Yeah, it's the it's the constant villain Hydra problem, right? Where like yeah. even if you cut off one head, like another person's gonna come up and they might be worse than that person was. Uh, which is an interesting idea and like I'll say even getting through volume two, a lot of that is like still unclear. Like, and I think I have like maybe one or two issues left of the second half of this story. It's still pretty unclear. So I'm very much hoping that uh, Jones can like wrap things up in like a nice bow because I think all of the trappings are there. It's just a matter of like actually bundling it all up and, and making sure that it's delivered correctly. But um, I guess, what'd you think of this first volume? If you know, tackling it for the first time. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I'm very interested in seeing where it goes. Okay. Um, because I, I think that we end with another character going back in time wearing Ben Franklin's bifocals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious what she's going to get up to back there. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not contracting anything Ben Franklin had. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah, I, that, yeah, I, I'm going to just not say anything, but it, it is a very, very different direction than I thought the book was going to go um, in, a, in a good way, like in an exciting way yeah. where you're like, I think what uh, Stephen Graham Jones is trying to do with this book is, I, I think he says this in afterwards at one point, uh, trying to basically channel a lot of the rage that he has about a thing that is so impossible for a single person to have any kind of impact on, right? It, right. Takes, it takes collectives and it takes a lot of people working together to make actual change to move forward and this book is like a is like a result of of him trying to say like god if only we could go back and fix all of these problems that have essentially damned my people for hundreds of years um it's a it's a really interesting thing and so when that second volume comes out and the direction that other character goes in um it feels it feels like it's a it's a cathartic thing that he's working through um rather than the almost like vengeful feeling i think you get out of that first volume where you're just like i'm gonna fucking kill this guy who basically damned my you know entire people yeah um yeah, so I'm glad you checked this out. This is a this is a cool book, and like I said, it is perfectly timed for Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, I know, and I did like a spooky book for my first one, so yeah. I'm like splitting the difference between Halloween and Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, very cool. Um, well, let me talk about one more book really quick. Um, it's a book that everyone knows that I love, so I don't really have to maybe introduce it too much, but um, I did read Chainsaw Man chapters 143 and 145, and the only reason I wanted to bring this up, this is by Tatsuki Fujimoto. If you haven't read this, uh, you know the long and short is a guy meets a little dog demon who has a chainsaw on his head, and then... Um, He's as he's hunting demons, he gets almost killed, and so does his little demon dog. And the dog says, "Hey, what if we merge together? I could save you. Um, you can have all of my powers." And he's like, "Ah, okay, I love you so much. Let's do it." Um, and then he becomes one of the most vicious monsters ever to exist. Um, and his anime has maybe one of the coolest opening songs and animations I've seen in a long time. But the story is demons exist in this world that are built based on people's fears, and uh, this series used to be about that. 
Now it is about this guy, Denji, who is Chainsaw Man, trying to not be Chainsaw Man. But it turns out that people loved Chainsaw Man, and they created a church of Chainsaw Man. But what that church is actually doing, you may have guessed, is through corrupt means, they are maybe taking advantage of demons themselves so they can have all of this power in Chainsaw Man's name. Um, and so the last three issues or chapters of this series have really opened up all of that. And it's taken like a hard, violent pivot from where it's been for the past half dozen chapters, um, which I'm excited for because I feel like the way that Fujimoto does violence in his books is absolutely disgusting. And I can't <laughs> believe that it gets published in Weekly Shonen Jump, let alone not in like a like an adult oriented book, because it is a brutal, brutal book when it goes that direction. Um I just really like the insanity that the couple last few chapters have had, um, and it, it continues to be like my number one manga out of the Shonen Jump app that I read every time I open it up. So Yeah, I got on there and read the first, I don't know, 100 chapters of Chainsaw Man. <laughs> uh-huh. I read the whole of the, the public service yeah. arc, Yeah. Um, and then I stopped because it, it was no longer the book that I wanted to read. Mm. I totally it, feel that. The, the, the book takes a, a very, like... The book ends for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. And then just picks back up mm-hmm. after that. And I was like, well, none of the characters that I like are around anymore. Yo, this, so. Dude, this is the exact problem I had when it came back. And I was, I think I was maybe four or five chapters behind. And I just started reading. And I was like, why do I care about any of these people? Like, Denji's not even in the book. Like, Chainsaw yeah. Man's <laughs> not even in the book to start. Um, and so it's funny, though, because they get rid of, like, all the characters that were made the first chunk of the series really really fun um but i think that these new characters you do end up learning to like but it's like you're kind of just chainsaw man 2 it's a sequel it's a totally different story yeah um denji does come back and become part of the story and he's back to his old i'm a stupid dumbass teenager you know mentality which if you like that in the first volume you're gonna love it in the second half um but i did yeah. not oh okay well then maybe chainsaw <laughs> man's just not for you um but yeah, I don't know. I, I've liked the the character development that they've given. And like I said, this Chainsaw Man church thing is maybe the dumbest, funniest thing I've seen in a bit. So it's it's still enjoyable to me. Um, I'm curious if anybody else out there is reading Chainsaw Man regularly because I feel like there was this massive surge of popularity and then it's just like completely died down for a bunch of other different books now. So um, Yeah, because the anime came out and it got really popular. And then about six episodes into the anime, everybody decided to stop paying attention yeah, to it Yeah, anymore. maybe. That's true. <laughs> um, cool. Well, you know what? Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about books on top of our pile. And Kate is going to in detail explain how she's going to steal all the books that I have in yeah. my house um, from my upstairs library. So we're going to be back in just a second. Let's wrap up this year's show for my ding dang birthday. And uh, let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile, comics that are new or old or just something you've been meaning to read and you're finally getting around to it. But before I get into Brian and Kate and my own top of my pile picks, let's talk about some of the folks that are hanging out with us here on Discord. They've got some top of their pile picks, and I'm going to go through them now. Hugh is reading Hexagon Bridge number two. Tom is going to be reading Friday Day 2. I think that's a comic book. I don't know. Tom just posted that, so I'm assuming it's a comic book. Uh, Danny's going to be reading Justice League versus Godzilla versus King Kong. Did you make that up, Danny? Um, 
Matt he's is going to be pissed because I want to read it I now. <laughs> Uh, and then Matt is going to be reading The Forge, number five, a book that I definitely have to wait to get collected digitally because it's oversized and it's not going to fit anywhere on any shelf or any comic book box that I own. But um, it looks really cool. And Nick keeps telling me, it's big. It's big women. It's big women in metal boxes. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And then he just closes his phone. I don't hear from him for 24 hours because <laughs> um, he's just reading The Forged. But uh, <laughs> yeah, every time we bring it up, he has to go back and read it again. Yeah, exactly. Um, just kidding. We love you, Nick. But Brian, how about you tell us what's on the top of your pile before we continue to rip Nick a new one for no reason other than just being our good friend. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple books. Um, kind of breaking the rules, but okay. it's because I usually don't say much, so I decided I would pad my runtime with another book. <laughs> uh, I got uh, Deceased War of the Undead Gods. This is uh, another Tom Taylor joint, art by Trevor Harrison, Neil Edwards, Lucas Meyer, inks by Andy Lanning, Neil Edwards, and Lucas Meyer, and Holy colors shit. by Rain Barreto. Okay, did they have a problem getting this book out, or is this just a big? Is this a collection? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, it's 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 the thing I was complaining to you about before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> just like the problem with any of these like bigger books is that there's always 19 people to credit, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure I get to them all. But that makes me sound like I'm reading a phone book sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot about this book other than that it's supposed to have an undead dark side showing up in it. Uh, so I am curious uh, about how that's going to turn out but mostly just because i'm just picking this up because deceased has been like the number one zombie book and definitely the number one superhero zombie book that i've ever read okay like marvel zombies is okay Mm -hmm. it had its moments right but deceased has been like every every deceased thing i've read has been a banger right so as soon as I saw this on Hoopla, I was like, okay, cool. I know what I'm doing later. <laughs> yeah, Brian and Kate drove all the way across the country so that we can all sit in one room together and read comics. And not talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like the old days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this is just another another tally to add to the board for me to say, Mike, maybe you should check out this Deceased series. Now that I've got DC Infinite Extended Universe, whatever the hell it's called, um, I can at least jump on and maybe grab that or just get it on Hoopla. But um, that would mean that I have to wake up or I have to stay up past like midnight or 1 a.m. or whatever to wait for the Hoopla borrows for my entire city to reset so that I can get a borrow in before anybody else, which is a constant problem. But um, we can talk about that another time. Instead, tell us about the other book that you've got in your list. Yeah, the other book I've got is another book that I spotted on Hoopla and decided to give a go to. Mm-hmm. Um, sticking with kind of like the spooky theme, it wasn't on purpose, but it just kind of worked out that way. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing Green Hell. Dude. Uh, Written by Jeff Lemire, art by Doug Mankey and Sean Mall, colors by David Barron, and letters by Steve Wands, who also did the letters on Earth Divers. Um, I I love this, like, idea in that universe um, of, like, the red and the green and the rot as these, like, forces of life and death that are both opposing and intricately tied to each other. Um, Because way back in the New 52 days, uh, I was reading Animal Man and Swamp Thing. Yeah, dude. So, like, I I don't know if that's where they were, like, first introduced, but the red and the green came up a lot in those early issues. Oh, yeah. So, it's, like, it's one of the few DC things that I actually know what people are talking about (laughs) when they bring it up. Yeah. So, I'm going to... uh, gonna check that out. This is supposed to be kind of like a post-apocalyptic story 
where there is like this avatar of the red, the green, and the rot. And the only person who can stop it is Alec Holland, who is dead and has been dead for some time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as we all know, when a superhero dies, that's it. You never see or hear from them again. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, this this book is really cool. Again, I think, I mean, Jeff Lemire was the one that wrote that Animal Man run, right? And then, so like, I feel like his, the thing that he wanted to tap into with that Animal Man run is just a continuation in this Swamp Thing story. Like, it feels like a natural sequel, even though Charles Soule, Zack Snyder did their own, Zack Snyder, Scott Snyder, thank you. Um, I, anyways, I, uh, they, uh, they also tapped into things with the green and they did the gray and the rot and all that other stuff. Um, but I feel like Lemire really latched onto this idea and never got a proper chance to do a Swamp Thing side of that um, in his own style. And I think that this Green Hell book is exactly that. And it's really, really cool for that reason. So if you, if you just to reaffirm, you dug that old stuff, you're really going to dig this new book. I read all of it, I think. I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's only three issues. Yeah, it's like three issues. It was part of the, the black label stuff that they did. So they're like oversized and Doug Mankey's art is just like on display, full force. It's absolutely beautiful. So I'm excited to see what you think of that. But Kate, what about you? What are... Actually, no. Actually, no, Kate. Not you. Me. Um, we're going to talk about what books I'm excited for. It's his for. birthday, Kate. Yeah, my, come on, Kate. Come on. You've got priority. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> I just don't know how to adjust to how this podcast is formatted now, but I'm going to talk about a book that I'm excited for, which is Sports as Hell. This is by Ben Passmore. Um, the synopsis for this book is probably the best way to describe it, so I'm just going to read this verbatim. Um, after her city wins the Super Bowl for the first time, T is separated from her friend during a riot and joins a small clique fighting its way through armed groups of football fanatics to meet, to meet a star receiver that just might end the Civil War or become the city's new oppressive leader, which is insane this is a 60 page hardcover book it won an eisner if i'm not mistaken um but it's it's very just like absurd humongous thing happening at an extremely fast pace from my understanding i've heard a lot of really positive reviews about this from folks that i trust who have read um other silver sprocket books and so it's it's from a small publisher but it's this humongous oversized hardcover just to like showcase past more art i think and uh, yeah, this sounds like a bonkers concept, and I don't know how you execute on this idea in 60 pages, but I'm very, very curious to find out. So um, if you can, go go give this a check, because I think it's it's a, one, of those, one of those weirdo books that will like alter the way that you look at comic books. I, that's my gut feeling. I don't know why this is what came into my head, but you remember Jingle All the Way? Yeah, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Yeah. Okay. There's that scene where he and... Was it Sinbad? Yeah, Sinbad. Yep. We're trying to get that toy, and it's just like all-out warfare <laughs> yeah. inside that toy store. Yep. That's that was the mental image that I got. Yeah, that's that's probably <laughs> an accurate statement. I looked at some of the preview pages for this, um, and it looks it just looked bonkers. I'm I'm excited to check it out. So um, that's what I'm I'm up to. But Kate, what about you? Well, you you can wrap us up, and then we can talk about how you're going to perform a heist on my house yep. this week. <laughs> Um, okay, so I went to my local comic shop, Vault of Midnight, uh, last week. I don't actually get in there that much anymore, so when I do go in, I try to, to pick something up, even if it's something I've never heard of before. And last week, it was a book called What the Font. This is a manga from Seven Seas. It's by uh, Kunichi Ashia, 
And this book, What the Font, is not to be confused with the informational nonfiction book about fonts that I also own. And it's also not to be confused with the website, What the Font, which is a font identification website that I use almost daily for work. Um, This is a manga. (laughs) This is the most Kate Lamphere shit you've ever heard. (laughs) See, but I I love this. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, the back cover to this book shows off the characters of this yes. book. And every font is a different character. It's wonderful. Oh I must own this. <laughs> I'm I need to have this in my life. Um so the story that is in this book is that a sales rep um that works for a company has to create a logo but knows nothing about fonts. Um so anthropomorphized versions of different fonts show up to like guide him through the world of typefaces and designs. And flipping through this book <laughs> Sorry, this is insane. Go ahead. Keep Literally going. tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> this is so bonkers. Please keep going. So flipping through this book, there is like information about the different fonts. Like you'll have a spread about like the history and the entire typeface will be on it. And it, like it's informational in that way. But then there's a whole story where this main character interacts with the font person. <laughs> Um, And as a designer, looking at this back cover, looking at this giant list of fonts, I do use like a lot of these fonts very frequently, like Gotham, Garamond, Futura, Uh Helvetica, Rockwell. And I'm I'm so excited to see how the creator chooses to style each of these fonts differently because like to me certain fonts have certain tones and like lend a certain air to your content and so I'm really I'm I'm legitimately very excited to see like how exactly a font person would be as a person <laughs> in terms of like in comparison to the tones uh-huh. of the fonts um, and so. I just I just wanted to point this out. So the interior of the manga is grayscale as usual, but there was definitely a design choice made for the front cover of this book because like using two colors um, as in design is like a a specific like choice to make a book cheaper, but they've done it on the cover, which is really interesting Hmm. from a design perspective. It's like like a like a legitimate like graphic designer was definitely like on this book like this creator has got to be like a super multi-talented person Mm -hmm. um to have come up with this cover so i just i saw this like on the little bottom shelf of my comic shop and i'm like i i know this phrase what the font and and now it's a manga too and everything is lined up perfectly for me to own this book that it looks great For some reason, this feels like this feels like the those like old college humor sketches where like the different websites would show up to a party, um, which to this day is still one of the, the funniest things in the entire world to me. There, there is a bit from uh, Game Changer that I actually shared the link in the Discord live chat. Okay, of okay. Brennan Lee Mulligan as uh, Times New Roman confronting Zach Oyama as Comic Sans. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome! That's amazing. It's it's, it's very good. Well, uh, I, uh, we're just going to be honest here. I just bought that. It's coming here tomorrow. Okay, like, great. <laughs> I, I really don't like buying comics from, from Amazon, but this just has to happen. I, I must own this. Um, so, yeah. But that's uh, I, I appreciate you bringing this to my attention because this sounds like a, not only a manga that I'm just going to own, but I'm going to buy for every person who thinks that they can't <laughs> read manga and say, no, 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 you're a nerd who likes fonts. Like, I'm going to give this to my sister. I'm going to give this to my buddy Rob. I'm going to give this to, like, every designer I've ever met and be like, this is really dorky, but I think you'll like this. And yeah. then they're going to fall in love with it. So um, thank you. Thank you for that, Kate. Um, I guess uh, to wrap the show up here, uh, Kelly just brought down a bunch of 
bags of presents, which uh, is it's way more than I expected. So that's a whole thing. But Kate, you you made a list of books that you're going to steal from me, and you put it in the dock. You're yep. just flatly telling me this. So I want to I want to set up. Uh, a visual for the listeners. Mike has numerous bookshelves in the house. We walked into the house. There are built-in bookshelves in the living room covered in books, mostly RPG books, but yeah. I'll steal those too. It's fine. And then you go up to his office, which you can see on camera for our videos online sometimes, mm-hmm. but you can only see one shelf in the videos. Yeah. All of the other walls are also covered in books. So we're talking 300 books in one room at least. Easy. I mean, I've got... Like a whole Calyx bookshelf that is filled, overfilled. Like there are multiple shelves that are double booked with comics. Amazing. Like I have all of, um, I have all of the Viking, quick Vinland Saga. Vinland. I was gonna say Viking Quest. What the fuck's <laughs> going on with my head today? Vinland Saga is stacked up on one shelf, but it's like the first nine volumes are behind the front. You know the the. Uh, the remaining volumes and stuff. So it's, it's easily over like there's that. And then there's a a Billy bookcase that's full. And then behind me, there's like a, some other brand bookcase that is half full because the bottom half is is covered. So yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. And then there's the overflow Billy bookcase, which is in the other room. um, In the guest room. Yeah. You can't just keep saying Billy bookcase and not explain what that means. Everyone knows what a Billy bookcase is. I don't. It's from Ikea. It's like the standard bookcase from Ikea. I'm sorry. uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I guess you guys haven't lived on the East Coast enough where everybody (laughs) fucking survives off of cheap furniture made from particle board from Ikea. (laughs) Yeah, we get cheap furniture made of particle board from the thrift store. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is maybe from an Ikea, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the only bookshelf that I have really investigated is the one in, in the guest room, which is, mm-hmm. like, only half full, surprisingly. So It's this- overflow. So here's the thing, Kate. You go through those books, and All I'll right. tell you my reasoning for those books to be in that room. Okay. Okay. That means you won't notice they're missing. Exactly. Hey. See, I figured that these are, like, the family-safe books. These are, like, the family-friendly ones for your nephew or whatever. Oh, no. Um, Sin City's in that room. <laughs> 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 Um, but yeah, so part of my plan here is that this is in the guest room, and I don't expect you to investigate this bookshelf in particular. Like, you don't go in there every day, so maybe you won't notice that they're missing. And also, I've brought enough luggage between me and Brian with enough spare space that uh-huh. there is room okay. for most of this bookcase. But I just wanted to pick out my my favorite half dozen. Um, so you've got the entire Mossgard collection, as far as I can tell. I, I think I'm missing two anthology hardcovers, but I have the main series, and that's all that matters. Okay. I've only read, like, a quarter of the first book. So, like, just stealing the entire collection seems like I'm going to like the whole thing, right? I've got to. That's... I mean, you will, because okay. David Peterson um, is is just amazing. Like, everything that he does in those volumes that he drew are just unbelievably perfect fantasy stories that everyone should read like if you have a modicum of interest um yeah the, that series is amazing I, I can't speak to the anthology stuff because i haven't read all of it but like that the core books that he did unbelievably good awesome so um, i'm gonna start there and yeah, then i'm that, also yeah go for it going to like uh grab that human star volume one and two which i read volume one on your recommendation that was really good well yeah the only reason those books are in that room is because i have the deluxe hardcover copies oh. that are sitting on the the thing behind me that are like gold 
uh, they have like gold foil on the outside of it or whatever. I don't remember what that's called, but um, like gilded page outside. Yeah. Yep. Whatever the fuck that's called. Yep. Yeah. Um, so then I'm also going to steal a book that I've only seen. Okay. The rest of these I've only seen the spine of, okay. but like the spines have a little bit of art that looks really nice. Okay. Um, so we've got Scott is not a band kid, which I assume is adorable. Oh yeah. Scout is not a band kid is a book that uh, Kate uh, Scotchless put me on to. And I think both, her and Paloma were like, this book rules. And it is very good, but I've been trying to get all of my young adult books and kind of put them in one place, which is why they're in that room, because eventually I want to have like a, these are family-friendly books compared to Sin City's also here, yeah. Yeah. which is a different different vibe completely. But yeah, Scout is Perfect. not a band kid. Very cute. Uh, it's, it's adorable from start to finish, yeah. Um, and then we've got This Was Our Pact. Yep. Okay, and then Fell Swoop. You oh, don't know what that is, do no, you? No, no. This, this is our pact uh, I was not a big fan of, Okay, if I remember correctly. So you won't miss it when I steal it. Sure. Okay. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, this is this is like a general call out for folks. Like, I have a lot of books that I'm willing to just give away. I'll, maybe I'll just take a photo of everything and be like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and see. Make your best offer. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, this is our pact is... Uh, either I read it, I didn't like it, or I started to read it, and I put it down, and it just never got read, so... Okay, and then we've also got Cosplayers. Cosplayers is an interesting book. It's it's a if I'm not mistaken, Dash Shaw, and it's a book that's like about cosplayers, but it's a weird like slice of life, super awkward book. Like the whole book reads really awkwardly. But I don't know, maybe you might dig it. It's got okay. people dressed up as like Adventure Time characters on the cover and stuff. Yeah, it looks See, cute. The only cosplay book that I read isn't so much awkward in the pages as it is awkward to tell people I read. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Um, and then The Winter of the Cartoonist, which looked far more serious in comparison to the rest uh, of these. That was a DNF for me. Oh, oh yeah, boy. Yeah, I got about two-thirds through it, and I was like, I assume that it is a very historically important book for people who live in like Europe and Spain specifically, but it is about like four cartoonists who decide to make their own publisher... Um, as like they publish strip comics right in a magazine and they decide to make their own magazine and then it fails and supposedly that eventually gets to them leading like writing comics to support the war efforts of the civil war that was happening during spain during like the world war ii it's it's a very wordy book where i was like two-thirds of the way through i was like i can't figure out what the point of this is despite knowing that this is a historical like yeah. depiction of something um just yeah weird book but it's beautiful like the art is gorgeous it's just a lot of the writing is weird to follow it's hard to follow very, so very dense yeah no it's not even that it's dense it's like people are just saying things for no reason in panels um and they're not even like background things some guy will like mention a sandwich and then somehow the sandwich is actually relevant to the conversation two pages later i was like who the hell was even talking about a sandwich like weird it's just we it's just weirdly written maybe just maybe just didn't vibe for me so yeah, yeah you're free to take that one okay um and then only only one more is in this list not to say that that's where i'm going to stop shoving books into sure, my bag sure. but it's just the ones you get fair warning about yeah yeah okay yeah. that's fine. um so you don't know what to replace yeah okay i'm saying okay. well i'm not gonna okay yeah that's fine <laughs> so this one is the carmen line and i actually flipped through it a little bit because i was intrigued by the title and it was like a super thin little book right at the bottom and i'm like he's hiding this book what is it about i have to know it's his porn yeah so i i opened it i didn't see any dialogue so this might be just like a visual book and i tend to like those books like my pick for the goodreads uh reading challenge of the year 
was um, The Arrival by, by Sean Tan. Um, and there's no dialogue in it. Um, so this one, this Carmen line. Oh, the me. Carmen line is like a manga. It's like an independent. So, okay, I went to uh, Mocha Fest earlier this year and there was this booth that was selling like a bunch of just indie manga that they had translated and republished um which i was like hell yeah like what looks cool i was just grabbing stuff because it sounded i was like i'll spend 70 bucks on like nine books like because that they were super cheap carmen line was one of those uh it was it's it's a weird book it's a lot of short stories that are kind of like someone trying to process some a feeling and they kind of outline that in the back they're like a lot of these are just things of i needed to get out and i didn't know how to express it there's like two really good stories in there and the rest i was like this is too ephemeral i'm maybe not in the right headspace for it um but yeah a couple of them are pretty good in there cool. um yeah you're welcome to take that go ahead okay great um yeah and that's uh that's just the ones i'm gonna warn you about okay. so uh r.i.p your collection yeah 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 <laughs> just gonna steal like volume four of all your manga sets <laughs> that's fine that's fine um well i mean i mean yeah my book is is definitely littered with with comics pretty much everywhere like you can literally turn behind you and there's a stack of comic books next to the couch which is my like forever to read pile like i pull one book out and then a new book goes on top of it so um <laughs> yeah i just i just can't stop um which is why we, i think we talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago where we talked about it at hangout of like how do we like purge books i think the answer is have your friends come over and steal them from yeah you because, <laughs> like that's fine um but yeah, I am definitely going to like, I feel like I need to go, go through the books that I'm just like okay on or books that I'm like comfortable with having read but not owning for forever and just like put them up and say, hey, it's free. Just pay for shipping um, or just drive to my house and yeah. you, you can take them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Danny is saying, yes, you need to come visit Mike. Yeah, I welcome everyone to come visit me and take comic books from me. That would be a huge help. Um, I think Kelly would appreciate it too. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess to wrap the episode up, I guess I'm excited that you guys are here. I think after this, we are going to play board games or maybe go get beer or both. Um, I don't really know. But either way, it's going to be fun. Um, and I think that's that's it for everything. I don't know if there's anything else. But um, yeah, so next week's show is going to be on live on Twitch. So if you're around, you should come hang out with us. That is October 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure to join us on Twitch. Make sure to follow us at twitch.tv slash podcast to hear us talk about a commissioned episode. We're going to be reading and talking about Booster Gold Volume 2, number one through six from 2007, a.k.a. 52 Pickup, the trade paperback. So, um, which I think is a very funny name. I thought that was a joke that Keith put in his commission. No, that's actually what the Blue Beetle volume is called, or Booster Gold is called. Um, I'm probably going to call him Blue Beetle 150 times because <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I do that in my head because they're buds, right? I'm asking the wrong people. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, Danny, quick. Danny, please help us. Um, but yeah, as always, you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast to get access to things like the IRCB Movie Club. We just put out a vote for our foreign film edition. We're going to be talking about three book or movies that are not from the United States that are based on comic books, which I'm really excited about. Um, and you can always follow us on TikTok and YouTube, our Instagram account, which we have run and do all sorts of fun stuff there. Um, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander cackles in the moonlight when he sees it. It's, it's weird. I want to say thank you to Brian and Kate for recording with me today. Thank you to everyone hanging out with us live on Discord. Thank you to Kelly for letting us record in the middle of our living room. And uh, until next time, comics are good, and so are you.